Hey, sports fans, you're tuned into the Emerald City Fandom Podcast. We're Seattle fans talking Seattle sports. We're your hosts. I'm Connor. I'm Sam. And I'm Justin. You ready to get started? Let's send it! Welcome back to the pod, folks. This is episode 46. And we're talking some Seahawks today. It's going to be depressing as hell. I know one person in particular here is pretty depressed about the Seahawks' outlook. After he was pretty optimistic still about the season outlook, you know, even just a week ago. Justin, how are you doing, my friend? How are you? And what are you sipping on to get through this? I don't know, man. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Where, where are we at? Let episode me guess. Episode 46. I mean, the Seahawks have gotten worse every episode that we've been doing this podcast, starting back to last year where they were good, had a high-flying offense for once in our goddamn lives, went to shit. So we because, should stop the podcast? Because Russell Wilson threw a couple interceptions and Pete Carroll's like, whoa, 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 whoa. you know, can't, can't do that. <laughs> So we it was we more than a couple. He he I it mean was he three was against the Arizona like game is really when it changed, right? That's what yeah. that's what well, it the, was. Wasn't it the Buffalo game after that, or was that was the Arizona game after the Buffalo? I, I mean I can't remember, but yeah, I remember sure, the big game was Arizona. He did Arizona was game. the bad one. Buffalo, I mean, they were scoring at will. So I mean Russell Wilson had to make that's things true. Happen. Anyway, the offense has gone to shit ever since. And now, you know, without Russell Wilson, it's, you know, I don't even know if it's football, right? Like it might be, they might be trying to play soccer out there because they think they're just trying to jam the ball up the middle and think that's going to work, rugby. right? It's rugby. It's not, it's not football, clearly. Um, so that's how I'm doing. I am drinking a Lombard Island lager like I typically do during these podcasts. I don't know why I'm showing you guys. It's a, you know, it's an audio podcast. I'm all over I like the place. to see it. I like to see it. I, you know, I'm I need very, proof. I'm very, I'm very frustrated. Yeah, we uh, need to, we need to make sure Enoch Bagshaw has proof that it's not fucking water. Right, he's gonna come back from <laughs> what year was he coaching? Uh, nineteen twenty-five. Yeah, we need to make sure he's out watching this. Um, <laughs> because that might be the last time the Seahawks have looked that they're competent. So, Sam, <laughs> what are you drinking? That was before their existence. Like 50 Might be years the best they've ever existing. been. Yeah, undefeated in 1925. <laughs> we won a Super Bowl in 2013, too. <laughs> I'm being dramatic. All right, Sam, what are you okay. drinking? Uh, I'm right. drinking some Rowan's Queek. I keep saying that. Ro- Rowan's Queek. Maybe I've had too much of it already. <laughs> Rowan's Creek Kentucky Straight Bourbon from... Uh, my family's wedding, Chris and Maggie. Congratulations! Hopefully, you're sitting on a beach in Hawaii somewhere, sipping my ties, having a way better time than I am talking Seahawks football because it's, it's looking pretty ugly, boys. Um, yeah, can't wait for this episode. I think it's gonna, gonna be a fun one. <laughs> it's gonna be a doozy. Gonna be a doozy. Uh, yeah, I am polishing off that monkey shoulder that I bought for Sam and I several months ago. We kind of traded it back and forth. I don't know. I, I guess I brought it over for that UFC fight that I came over to your place. Yeah. When was that? That, that was like the last August. like big McGregor fight. Okay. Yeah, it was McGregor so, yeah. Poirier. At least a couple months ago then. Yeah. At least a couple months ago. And then I had it for and a little then... while, did some damage, and then I brought it over when Caroline and I came over for like a dinner or something or other. 
Right, right, yeah. And it was definitely over half full, I feel like, whenever you brought it back. Yeah. And I'm I'm polishing it off tonight. The rest of it is in my glass. It has been the one the one thing I can count on week in and week out during this football season, unlike our actual football teams. So thank you, Monkey Shoulder. I will buy you again soon to replenish the stock. <laughs> Lord knows we're going to need it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, for sure. All right. We should talk injuries um, to start with before we really get into this game uh, and review this Saints loss. First injury, Seahawks, uh, two and five on life support. Oh, man. I mean, pull the plug, please. <laughs> Hospice, <laughs> it's too much. I mean, pull the plug. God, we have the family members ready that, to collect the will, you know. I was mean, that you know, in the will? Uh, was that in the will for them to pu- pull the plug? Like, do you have authority to do that, Justin? I mean, clearly it's not, right? Because You know who has the authority? Pete Carroll. And he says, let him live. Let him run the ball. Let him live. <laughs> let him suffer. Let him suffer through it. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not a good situation, boys. It's not a good situation. Uh, we do have injuries beyond just the Seahawks, though. Um, so let's continue the good news train here. Mark Marquise Blair is likely out for the season um, with a fractured knee. It's like a patellar injury, I yeah, think. That blasted Pete his said. knee capped a bit. And so it was pretty non-contact as well. So you know that's always bad. After he just tore an ACL, you know, two years ago, he's he's doing this again now. So. Hey, hey, it's addition from subtract subtraction. Guy's an idiot. I mean the reason he, why we oh lost the game. Oh my god, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. Yeah. Which he's and done he, that I mean, his whole career. I mean, even when he was correct, at he Utah, did it against the Huskies. <laughs> he did the same thing when he was playing yeah. the Huskies. I mean, he just yeah. is out there playing like a headhunter, which to some regard I I like the physical, violent nature. Sure. But what on that play it was completely unnecessary though like all you need to do is just wrap up like you were the second man to that doesn't even need to be there like he didn't even need to get into the pile and he launched first at the quarterback's head third and nine 15 yards automatic first down yeah pretty bad pretty bad uh if we're talking actual positive news though on the injury front does sound like daryl taylor could play this week or as soon as this week. Yep. So after a very scary situation, obviously in Pittsburgh, that's awesome to see. It sounded like he was actually really close to playing this saints game, mm-hmm. um, but they held him out. And, you know, I mean, this is one of our kind of young bright stars. So I'm okay with them holding him out uh, just to protect his overall well-being. Going yeah. forward, we got to think long term with him. But if he was an old um, veteran, just you know, fucking throw him in there, let him break his neck again. Is that sure? What you're yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> Why not? You betcha. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I don't wish injuries upon anyone. Uh, Damian Lewis, I guess I'm not familiar. I know that he was out this last game. Does it sound like he's going to be back? Yeah, kind of same situation as Daryl Taylor, where really a game time decision thought that he was going to be able to make it back against the saints last week. So all indications are we'll have our left guard Damian Lewis with us 
this weekend against the Jags. That's good because the line played like trash. So yeah. Um, <laughs> going into further, possibly good news, possibly because we've heard this story before with, especially with the way Pete Carroll does injuries. Yeah. Wide receiver D Eskridge is apparently looking good and ready to go. I think was the quote. So by all indications, he, sh- he should play against the shock because I was worried he was dead for a second because we, he was out <laughs> in specialist in Florida. We hadn't heard a peep yeah. from him. Right. And so we had no idea. So I'm so glad. Well, that he's and he just better. went, yeah, he just went to that specialist last week, too. So right. we were thinking that like his season's at least is probably done. Well, and we if, should add some more color to what the specialist is. He went to like some visual learning school. Like he had visual issues like he could not see. That's bad, dude. That's such a bad brain injury. That's not that's, good. That's beyond concussion. Shouldn't they call it something else? Or is it still just technically a concussion if you can't Pretty sure see? they call it CTE. But I think they wait. Oh, that'll pop up. That'll pop that. up later. That'll <laughs> pop up in the autopsy then. Oh, okay. Man. Well, right. hopefully, we're off hopefully the rails. Back. One more. One more, Connor. <laughs> Who else? Oh, there's another injury. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Shell, the right tackle, should be back this week as well. Again, we were down two starting offensive linemen in that last game against the Saints. And it sure looked, it looked like, like it. Looked like it. Yep. Jinx. It sure looked like it. Jinx, yeah. you owe me a good football and, team. Oh, you were you were way after me, bro. That was not a jinx. Come on. <laughs> and Unless then the other delayed. the other news on the offensive line as well is it sounds like the center competition is opening up and shouldn't be surprised Kyle to see. Fuller was shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So was it Ethan Post Posick is going to be potentially taking or doing some snapping this weekend. And I mean, we'll probably trade. We'll probably trade Dwayne Brown next week after we lose to the Jags. So easy. Yeah, it's going to get a lot better. It's going to get a lot better. All right, boys. Should we talk about the Saints loss? Justin, Justin. I really want. I really, (laughs) I really want you to lead this (laughs) because you are very passionate about this subject. I know you are. I know you say like you don't know what to say, but you do. Just. Just say, say how you feel. This is a safe environment. We're in a safe room here, a safe chat room. Listen, I need yeah, to provide. That is, that, I need like to provide a... some coaching here, Justin. Yeah, I need you yeah. to close your eyes, okay. take a couple of deep breaths, and feel that longboard logger running through your veins. Mm-hmm. I feel it. I feel <laughs> it. I feel it. Yeah. And now go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what? on god's green earth the fuck are we doing are we doing boys alex collins is looking like a fucking hero because he is breaking tackles after nine consecutive runs three yards in the backfield is going you know dodging five people and he gets a two-yard run and it's like oh alex collins isn't good and it's the opposite he's amazing and he's dodging all sorts of people because oh wow surprise people are teeing off on a ninth straight run pete carroll shane waldron i almost called him john donovan christ um they're the same they're the same pretty much the same gino smith is our backup quarterback if you do not trust a backup quarterback to do the job 
of throwing the ball, which is quarterback, you know, is supposed to do right. Kind of, kind of their job, kind of part of the job description. Why is he your backup quarterback? Right. If you do not trust him to do the job, then he is not right for the job. Right. Clear and simple case in point. Yep. I, uh, I, like I said, I'm lost for words. I could go on and on. You guys would never speak, but that's not the point of the podcast. Right. Here's the deal. We don't do any adjustments on offense. We run the ball. There's no creative concepts. There's no, you know, similar to the Huskies. And we talk about this all the time. There's no outside zones. There's no fly sweeps. Actually, we did have a couple, one with Gerald Everett, I believe, in yep. one of the first drives yep. of the game. I think it was the uh, longest run of the game, too. By yeah, the way. it was like 11 yards. It's like I 11 believe. or 12 yards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great uh, lead, lead block by Uncle Will. Actually, yes, it was. A, I remember. I think I, I saw that. Um, Can I interject so, for a second? The outside run, outside zone run was supposed to be the basis of these this offense, by the way. That was like Shane Waldron's calling card oh, was yeah. the outside zone. Oh, here and it is. Guys. I know what's happening. There's too much of a thematic similarities between the Huskies and the Seahawks with this obsession yeah. of running it up the middle that only one person could be responsible for this. They both operate within the state of Washington. Governor Jay Inslee is a football guy. Mm. I, he might like running the ball up the middle and he is demanding that Pete Carroll and Jimmy Lake do nothing else besides run halfback dive. Nick Rolovich wouldn't play Max Borgie. Gone. See you later. Gone. Get him out yep. of there. <laughs> it was never about the vaccine. Back it was never about the vaccine. It was never about the vaccine. It was about running up the middle. Throw the ball. Are you crazy? <laughs> yeah, you know, DK Metcalf, right? That's a player, right? He goes off for 84 yards. That's more than half the uh what's the what's the, I can't even talk anymore. That's the more than half of the receiving yards that we had in the entire game on, on two one catches. play. Oh, that too, but one play in, in yeah. particular. DK Metcalf's obviously pissed enough to know where he's going out and having foursomes. He couldn't even have four catches. Yeah, that was interesting today. Right. Yeah. So he has more girls than catches. That's it. It just can't be a thing. It Wait, cannot be a thing. Are we talking about? I do not see that. You have seen this? More women than catches. This is your star receiver. He needs a lot of targets, right? Tyler Lockett, MIA, the entire game, right? <laughs> because Geno Smith can't find him. I, I just could go on and on. It's incompetency at the highest level. And it comes down to Pete Carroll. And one of the most, uh, at least I respect her, my Mina Kimes at ESPN is a diehard uh, Seahawks fan. And she said that all options need to be on the table regarding Pete Carroll. And I allude it a lot to, you know, just think of a company that you guys work at. You know, Sam, you work for Convoy, et cetera. You know, you're in IT, you use a lot of systems, right? The systems that you would use 10 years ago wouldn't necessarily work for today, right? Yeah. You know, and it's it's almost like trying to run and store all your data in Excel. Just think of this. And then using that in 2021 and be like, oops, I deleted everything. There goes my database. It's kind of the same thing where Pete Carroll's stuck on using Microsoft Excel 2011 and thinks that's going to work in today's age in football. That is not work. That does not work. And this is why, in addition to Russell Wilson being out, we cannot win football games based on the mentality that we play, the control that he has on Shane Waldron over this offense, 
and the inability to make adjustments on the fly. And so I will pass it over to you guys on those notes. Yeah. I mean, if anything looks like Microsoft Excel on the football field, this is it. I mean, critical point in the game for me was our defense gets a turnover. We get a fumble. We have great starting field position. We're totally in the game. Towards the end of the third quarter, we're down 10 to 7. And I was watching the Manning Brothers Monday Night Football broadcast. And Peyton Manning lost his shit. He was genuinely mad. No, he He was was like physically upset. He stood up and like the camera was just looking at his belt on his jeans. I mean, he he was not even in the picture frame because he had to like get up and stretch and like calm himself. So like I said, great starting position, 10 to seven, going towards the end of the game, right into the transition between the third and fourth quarter. And Peyton Manning's like, all right, this is a sudden change. You got to have a plan. You got to be ready to go and take advantage of this. And what do we do? Tell us. We run the ball for one yard on first down. Then on second down, we run again for negative one yard. Then we have an incompletion and we kick a field goal. Nope. Nope. What did we do before the incompletion? It's a good, you know, this is part of the Seahawks MO. Well, tell me, I don't We called a timeout because we couldn't figure out what to do. So we wasted our second timeout, right? Um, yeah, I mean, we just, we, oh, that's another thing about Pete Carroll. He hasn't learned how to, you know, use the clock ever in the 10 years that he's been here. Sorry, continue. Or all of his head coaching experience. I mean, at the end of the day, like that is a microcosm of everything that you've already mentioned, Justin. It's like, you go into this critical point in the game, you can grab momentum, grab the lead with the touchdown. Everything was set up perfectly for that to be the Seahawks moment to win the game. And we went out there with no plan. It was obvious that the offense wasn't ready. I don't know what's going on on the sideline, but you run twice up the middle for nothing. Like you said, wasted timeout. Then you're in like a third and nine situation, third and 10. And you get an incompletion and you kick the field goal and it's a tie game, but it's such a missed opportunity. And it's just that conservative play calling have no plan to get the ball in the, in the hands of your best players, whether that's Lockett or Metcalf shit, even an end around to Everett apparently is our best play. And so it's like, we totally pissed away a great opportunity to win that game because for whatever reason on the sidelines, whether it's Pete Carroll being in Waldron's ear or whatever it is, we go out there with the ultra conservative, gameplay like it seems like in hindsight the goal of that drive was to not turn it over and then let Myers kick a field goal like we did nothing to show an intent to score the the damn ball which I might add that's a risky move because it was very windy on Monday and maybe not as windy as we thought but it was windy especially Myers went one for three I mean that's one of the other points that I marked down to bring up is like is it time to look for another kicker? I mean, he's not been good. He's six for 10 on the year, went one for three in this game. I mean, if you want to put all the offensive woes to the side, if Myers makes his kicks, we win the game. I blame him for the first one, not the second one. Was the second one like 50 yards or something like it that? It was, and it was right off the bat. We are on like the 24. Gino takes an 11-yard sack, and you That's can't bad. do in that oh. situation. 
and it puts you know Myers in a difficult position kicking to the open end of the stadium where it's windy you know he expected the wind to take it a certain direction because that's where the flags were and it just didn't yeah. so I, I it's really hard for me to blame Myers for that it's really hard but the first field goal I do and to your point he has been inconsistent for sure um I just think it's a little lower on the totem pole oh yeah there's for sure bigger issues if you're pointing out both of those drives that ended in missed field goals, uh, I mean, the first one, mm-hmm. where is it here? Sorry. Uh, beginning of the, th- we have a really good drive half. going. Yeah. Yeah. We had nine plays, 62 yards. Okay. That, that was that drive. And it took up almost, almost five minutes. Yeah. So we get down to the new Orleans 31 yard line. And you just talked about sacks, bad sacks. Geno Smith was filled with, bad sacks like holding the ball way too long okay i mean the offensive line was not good but he's got to re- get rid of the ball he's got to yeah. save yeah he here. needs to get he's rid got of a, the ball especially in a field position game where like we're kicking field goals if that's going to be the name of the game you got to save yards here you got to make it as easy as possible on on your kicker yeah so you got first and 10 at the new orleans 31 you're sacked for four yards and then you're on the next play, second and 14 at 35, you're sacked for five yards. Okay, on back-to-back plays, you're sacked. Then you have the confusion at the line. You waste your first time out in the second half. Okay? <laughs> okay? So that was... that. Th- both of these drives are like microcosm of like the ineptitude of this team right now, just overall. So you got third and 19 from the 40. So you're just trying to save face here. They run like a shotgun draw play and Travis Homer, which, you know, credit him. He gets 14 yards. So you do have a makeable field goal. You're at the 26 yard line. Jason Myers probably needs to make that kick. He does. But at the same time, you had to punt on like you basically had to punt on that drive because of the two sacks that Jano took on mm-hmm. first and second down that set yeah. up that third and 19. Okay. Then you go to the next drive, the, that next mixed field goal, missed field goal drive, which was in the fourth quarter, right? Yeah. Uh, end of the third, I believe. Oh, wait, no, end of fourth, the third? sorry, fourth, fourth. You're correct, yes. It was fourth quarter, okay. So this is when it's a tie game. It's 10-10 now because we had made that field goal in between. So we started our own 20-yard line, and again, we drive it down. We have a pretty – Pretty good drive going. A lot of, a lot of kind of mixing a little bit of, of some short passes and some runs. We get down to the New Orleans 23-yard line. Run with Alex Collins for negative one yards. Second 11 to 24. Geno Smith passed short right to Freddie Swain. Freddie Swain, who we targeted more than anyone when you have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett on this team. Hmm. Smart. Not good. How is the play designed to Freddie Swain here? How? Third and 11 at the 24. That's when Geno's sacked for 11 yards. Right. And then you got a 50-yard field goal that that Myers misses. 53-yard field goal, I should say. Sorry. And that wasn't even that close. So, um... Those are like the two drives that really stand out to me in this game that like, I mean, it's a field goal game. So like the two missed field goals obviously are going to stand out, but like, it's, it's just the, those two drives were just the microcosm of just like the, the issues that this offense was having and operating. And it was really the mental mistakes, man. Like it was like, it was all the wasted timeouts that we had 
and both both halves too especially the second half too like i mean it it would have been really nice to have you know one or two one or two of those timeouts at at the end of the game and then we go back to this guys that justin you were harping on it earlier Geno Smith, backup quarterback. I understand that. He has had three chances in three games to win the game. And those those drives have been like the worst, his worst drives of the game. Yeah, he's coughed it up all three times. Yep. Yep. You had a pick basically on the first play in against the Rams. You had the fumble on, I think it was the second play of the drive, third play of the drive against the Steelers in OT. And then he takes two massive sacks back to back. Like Russell Wilson level sacks. Correct. (laughs) Which he's not, he's not Russ when it comes to escapability. So like he shouldn't even be trying that. Yeah. Don't run backwards, man. Um, Bad dude. Really bad. He's not good. I mean, Gino is who we thought he was, I think. And I'm at the point where, I would try Jacob Eason. No, see, I don't know. I mean, I don't think a good, I mean, clearly what we've seen from Gino, and I don't think we necessarily put him in good positions uh, to succeed necessarily. No. But I don't, I mean, if you're going to go to Luton or Eason, I don't think a good backup quarterback is on this roster. You probably have to look elsewhere. Sure. I mean, you you probably look at like Kaepernick or Cam Newton. Yeah. Um, it's vaccinated but, now. Yeah, I, I don't think we're there. I, I, I know I we're, we're for sure not there, right? And that's not going to happen. But well, um, early reports are that Russ is moving his middle finger, maybe flipping off Pete Carroll like Earl Thomas. I don't know what yeah, it's all about, I mean, but shit, he, he might definitely, be he definitely. There's been reports that he's like eighty percent ahead of schedule. I don't even know what that means, but I saw that. So like. We just, I think we probably just have to make it through this last game, get into the bye week, and then Russ is back, and the whole quarterback issue is no longer an issue. Yeah. Yeah. If we're looking at any positives from this game, I mean, the defense did play better. I wouldn't better, say it was great. Better, but, but the thing it was is better. They were playing Jameis Winston. And do you know yeah. how many Jameis? And he was like, bad. How many opportunities he missed? Sean yeah, Payton was he pissed was very at bad. him. You yeah. see how oh, many yeah. times Sean Payton was so mad at Jameis Winston. I mean, they basically beat us by just dink and dunking to Alvin Kamara all day. Oh, it took us a while to figure out to double cover that guy too. And it still didn't work. <laughs> it it kind of did in the it second helped. half. Yeah. Like, that was brutal. To Jamal work. Adams had like two plays. He did have two plays. I was going to bring that up. Yeah. Oh, you totally, totally that is worth infinitely money. better than what he's been uh, the rest of the season Correct. with zero. So you can't measure that statistically. <laughs> you can't divide by zero. <laughs> you can't divide by zero. Basic math. Yeah, going back to your uh, Excel example, that comes back as a div zero formula <laughs> error. <laughs> right. <laughs> that sells red right now. God, maybe that's my Halloween with, with costume a- for the costume competition. I'm a Microsoft Excel sheet with a div <laughs> error. Yeah, that's horrible. Ah, uh, boys, I don't know. I mean, you look at the head and we'll get to the Jaguars game, but 
you know, season looks bleak. I'm dramatic about it. I'm really upset. This is a must win game. Two wild card teams that you're competing against necessarily the Vikings and the Saints. You've lost against them, right? Yeah. That's the head to head. You know, technically, we can save the season somehow if we win one of the unwinnable games being against the Cardinals or the Packers or the Rams and et cetera. You can somehow get to 10 and seven. But that's only two more losses. And you're 0 and 3 at home throughout the season. That it's yeah. the unlikely meter is high, right? I mean, yeah. you lose against the Jags and it's for sure done. Hey, we got Rashad Penny back. Oh, great. How did he look? Sorry. What what how yeah, Sam, give me the lowdown. How was he? Well, that was a nothing burger. Did he look bad. like a first round pick? Oh yeah. I forget who did we pass up on was that that wasn't that must have been byron murphy's year yeah um or was it no what are you, yeah it had a what been, you, yeah was it was it was it 2018 yeah. it was 2018 wasn't it yeah it's 2018 nfl draft wasn't murphy 19 no was he 18 i think he was i think he was 18 yeah he wasn't on the 2019 team oh yeah. no you're right I no he right. was he yeah. was he was twenty. It was the twenty nineteen draft because they they went to the Rose Bowl after the twenty eighteen season. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. I was just trying to come up with a way of making the pick of Rashad Penny even worse. No, I mean there's, but yeah, I, don't, I, mean, the, I the actually biggest, don't. The biggest guy that he's compared Nick to Chubb is Nick Chubb was taken after Rashad Penny. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Sony Michelle, who I mean, you whatever. Calvin Ridley was taken right before Rashad Penny, uh, Lamar Jackson, uh, Darius Leonard on the Colts. He's kind of a stud. He's pretty good. Cortland Sutton on the Broncos, Mike Gusecki, Dante Pettis, who's, you know, hasn't really turned out. I mean, there's a lot of players that have been taken after, right. That are way yeah. better. I mean, I Fred guess the Warner. name of the game is like, we don't really need to do this exercise. Right. Like we all no, know. I mean, we, Rashad yeah, no, we suck, been yeah. ass. can't draft. Pete Carroll should not be in the draft room. <laughs> Michael Dixon, though, was it from that draft? There you go. I mean, I think we've got two good players from the draft in the last four years. Metcalf and Dixon. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Jury's oh. out on Jordan Brooks, I guess. Mm, not good so far. It's not looking good. Yeah, he hasn't been great. Anyways, I figured I have to get that last jab in before we look forward to the Jags. Yeah, look forward. Um, Connor, anything else on this uh, Seahawks Saints 13 to 10 barn burner? <laughs> no. Uh, I was also watching the Manning cast, though, and it was... It was... Uh, okay, so <laughs> the Marshawn bit was hilarious. That was oh, funny. Yes, best part of the game. Um yeah, that was probably the most entertaining part of the game. It, I mean, it was just a boring game. Like it was, it was just such a boring game. I was I was happy that I tuned into that because it was at least entertaining. Um, Sue Bird was on there too. That was pretty cool. Seemed like she didn't um, know what the hell was going on though. No, but that's fine. Yeah. No. No, but yeah. I mean, it was it was just cool to have like another Seattle quote unquote hero um, interviewed in 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 the Manning cast, and then I mean like. When Tom Brady was on, it was so evident, like both he and Manning are going back and forth, um, especially Peyton, but even Eli's like keying on like, what the hell are the Seahawks doing on offense? Even Eli, that's saying something because compared to Peyton, yeah. he looks like an airhead. So 
Eli yeah. like no, sits like... there with his mouth open and just uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think bad. Peyton's super engaging. I think he does a really good job. Yeah. No, he is. And it, you, you can tell that he's trying to carry that broadcast. Like Eli doesn't have any of the suaveness to like no add add color to the whole broadcast. He's just like kind of purely analytical and just kind of has this little little except, interjections every once in a while except when he's flipping double birds <laughs> oh that's right he thought they would blur them out and they did, definitely didn't they definitely didn't <laughs> the best yeah, part of that Manning. was like he was like yeah you know i was at this game in philly and they were giving me the double birds and he just put up his fist he's like can i do it yeah yeah i could do it they'll just blur it out and he just <laughs> throws them up i will say that the the conversation between him and tom brady was pretty funny because like tom was like say, he was saying something about like how he never enjoyed playing the giants in the playoffs like because obviously they they lost two super bowls against the giants and like e- eli responds real quick he's like i love those games i i, I enjoyed those games what are you talking about tom? <laughs> so i just thought that was funny but. yeah it was yeah. So, anyways, definitely All right. on Monday night, tune into the Manning cast. It's better than than normal oh, dude, head announcers. Yeah, their broadcast on Monday Night Football is tragic right now. It's pretty bad. So, definitely tune in the Manning cast. All right, Jaguars. Uh, talking about shit shows of teams, they're one in five, um, and they have a coach in Urban Meyer who is going to college bars and dancing with college girls and no, i wouldn't call that dancing his fingers might have well, been dancing yeah <laughs> there's a little something a little something something going on there <laughs> i mean our our star our star our wide receivers having foursomes but they're maybe they can hook up after the game yeah dk's looking for that, that fourth member i'm sure urban's ready to go Oh man! Hey, listen, we're an oh, explicit boy. podcast. Everybody gets everybody gets the warning ahead of time. Well, we what's are, the series history? I can't. <laughs> Hawks lead the series five to three. If we can get back on track, uh, Jags did win the last meeting back in 2017. I believe that was the year that they won the AFC Championship, uh, and they were pretty good that year with yeah, Jalen Ramsey Blake and Bortles. Blake Bortles and Miles Jack. And I think Fournette was like a yeah. rookie on that mm-hmm. team. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was good. So that was like the last time that the Jags were actually relevant. They're definitely not right now, but they do have a hell of a first, first pick overall, right? Future Trevor Lawrence at quarterback. Um, he's kind of struggled, I'd say, so far in his NFL career. Um, not, not uh, not surprising, I would say, but you would think that uh, the light's going to click on for him at some point. Yeah, and you can kind of see that a... happening. He's been playing a lot better recently. Yeah, and they obviously are coming off of a victory over the Dolphins, um, in which he did play pretty well in that game. So um, it'll be interesting to see <laughs> see what he looks like against a Seahawks defense that has looked like about as bad as you can get on defense. And then, I mean, okay. in in most recent weeks, I'll, I'll be interested to see how that looks. 
but who are some other players that you're you're going to highlight on this Jags team if if you're looking and breaking down this roster, Sam? Yeah, I think staying on the offense, it's really a running first team. James Robinson has had a pretty dang good year running the ball. Um, the one big injury update on the Jag side is uh, DJ Chark is out for the season, I think, or he'll for sure be out this game. I can't yeah. remember if he's out for the year or he's not. He's out for the year, yeah. Yeah. So that's going to just, you know, take their passing attack down one notch. So really going to ride the back of James Robinson through this game. And there'll be a huge emphasis on stopping the run for the Seahawks. And then at the wide receiver position, the the two main guys Trevor Lawrence is going to be passing to in this game are going to be Marvin Jones Jr. and LaVisca Chenault Jr. LaVisca should sound pretty familiar. He's, you know, the do-it-all kid from Colorado in the seasons that they had a couple of years back. Um, but really not an offense that scares you in any way. I really think that this offense runs through James Robinson right now. So again, stopping the run is going to be our paramount focus. Which the Seahawks can do, to be fair. I mean, Alvin Kamara did not kill him on the yeah. ground. Yeah, yeah, they did a great job against the run. On to be on fair, Monday. to to have a shred of positivity, what Kamara did and what James Robinson can do as well is you know catches out of the backfields and screen games and what I used to kill Sam on and Madden when we were roommates, the old Texas play where the <laughs> running back does the little curve out and you know gets twenty yards. So yeah, James Robinson's definitely someone to watch there. On the defense, they have uh, they have an old friend Shaquille Griffin as a cornerback there is their number one they're paying him a lot of money and so do we get the matchup uh the vault the vaunted matchup of shaquille griffin on dk metcalf i mean i know i like dk in that matchup yeah i'm taking dk uh so if we can throw the ball and that's the other thing like can we throw him the ball right but i really like that matchup but you know shaquille uh someone to watch there uh, looking at the other players, I think, you know, just looking at their defensive line, can they get pressure on Geno Smith? Obviously, the Saints uh, have a really good defensive front, um, one of their strengths, and they cause us all sorts of havoc. Their defensive ends have not generated that many sacks this year and that many pressures. I mean, you see some from Josh Allen, their linebacker. No, not Josh Allen, the Wyoming kid on Buffalo, a different one. But they have Adam Goetzis and Dwayne Smoot, who have two and one and a half sacks, respectively. But that's in six games. Like they have not generated a lot of pressure from four man rushes. And so, if that's the case, then they're going to have to bring more people. And theoretically, more people would be open. And so, can they generate pressure from those four man looks uh, that have troubled the Seahawks in the past? So, that's a, that's a, that's what I'm watching from the Jaguars, Connor. Yeah, uh, for sure. And I wanted to note one other guy on their defense. Um, is CJ Henderson starting for them? I have no that idea corner? who that is. Because um, didn't they acquire they acquired him? I feel like he from, like, he's playing. Or he's something. playing. I don't know if it's full time, but he has played a couple games. Yeah, because he's a former first round pick just in 2020. Right, and then the the Panthers offloaded him to Jacksonville. Or no, sorry, Jacksonville. No, Jacksonville. Which, yeah, and then Jacksonville got Dan Arnold gotcha. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Okay, I was just looking at their stats here, and I was like, oh, that name 
looks familiar. So, um, yeah, he's on the Panthers now. So never mind. <laughs> um, the other, the other obvious uh, call out on the defensive side of the ball is Miles Jack, though. Uh, we mm-hmm. we've talked about him, I think, on this podcast before. Um, a one time, did he? Was he ever committed to UW? No. No. I mean, obviously a local kid though from Bellevue High. Um, we really struck out with him, though, I would say. Yeah, uh, and he made us pay him. at UCLA. Campus, yeah, he killed us every time we played him. Uh, talk about two-way players, dude. That's I got a pretty one. good two-way player. Yeah, pretty good. Probably the player. best. I think Sha- in recent memory, Shaq Thompson was Shaq Thompson was better. Yeah, but he just didn't get the the volume on offense. Miles Jack was legit, like week in, week out, running the ball and playing linebacker. Shaq Thompson filled yeah. in at running back for like two games, and he went for like a buck fifty in both of them. Just crazy. Was I it really only two games? games? Yeah, it was the season where Siler Miles was our quarterback, and we had like I remember that Dwayne Washington, yeah. Levon Coleman were twenty fifteen, yeah, twenty fourteen, twenty fourteen, right? Yeah, and both of our starting running backs. Coleman and Washington were kind of nicked up with injuries. And so it was more of like an emergency situation. They put him there and it's like, well, maybe we should leave him there a little bit longer. I mean, he's looked pretty good. (laughs) But yeah, Miles (laughs) Jack was was like an every, every week running back for UCLA that the final two years of his career there. Yeah. He's a hall of player. He, yeah. I mean, he had a, he had, a couple of really good years in the NFL kind of right off the bat. And he's kind of fallen off since then a bit. Um, he's still like, he's still in their rotation, but he's not nearly the impact player that he, that he once was. I don't, I don't know if that's just due to injuries or what, but he's yeah, just, and, I feel like it's not good. Yeah. And if you want to carry that comparison from college to the NFL, like Shaq Thompson is for sure the better NFL linebacker. Oh yeah, for sure. hundred yeah, percent. No, he's, yeah, he's and he's gotten paid too, yeah. to like it. So, um, no, Shaq's become a hell of a linebacker for the Panthers. All right, uh, anyone else on the Jaguars you guys want to spotlight before we move on to some Hawks players? I, mean, no, I think that not. hit it all. Cool, cool. Um, I mean, if we're talking Hawks here, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball, similar to the Huskies. Playmakers are on the outside on this offense and you need to get them the ball and you need to get them the ball like infinitely more than they have gotten the ball in the past couple of weeks. DK Metcalf can absolutely take over a ball game. Tyler Lockett can absolutely take over a ball game. Let them work. Let them do their thing. Like Gino can get the ball to them there. He's, he's a bad quarterback, but he can get the ball to those guys because they will be yeah. open. Even mm-hmm. if they're not open, they're open type thing. Right. I mean, the I frustrating take... thing is you saw it on some of those drives where, like you said, Connor, where they mixed in some short passing with the runs. We got in trouble when we did the run, run pass, what we used to do a lot of yeah. times or run, 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 which was the worst part of our offensive game. I, I believe your, your, your text message to me in those instances was kill me now. Uh, that's probably close yeah something like that i can look back but i'm pretty it was it's it's, something, it's, it's it was the same like messaging yeah you got that correct. yeah yeah so you're telling it's me that dk man. metcalf needs more than five targets in a game definitely more than five targets and two receptions for sure he definitely needs 
more than zero targets in two quarters. Mm. Yeah, that's not good. After he breaks an 84-yard touchdown. Like, the, the one explosive play that you have. And then you don't go back to the guy. I just... I Like, I know Marshawn Lattimore is good, but, I mean... Dude, DK was having his lunch, yeah. dude. Like, In I, his head. Oh, all game. I mean, that was our best play on offense, was DK draw a 15-yard penalty on Marshawn Lattimore. Yeah, it worked and twice. And he did it twice. Yeah, <laughs> so, um, yeah dude. The, the guy needs to be... The guy needs to be more a part of this offense. I just don't get it. I don't get it. Defensively, what are you guys looking at? Or if you guys want to shout anyone else out on offense, other yeah. than Uncle Will. Yeah, I mean, always shout out Uncle Will. Probably our best player, just like Kate Otten. It's like Kate Otten on the Huskies, yeah. <laughs> Love me some good old tight ends. Um, but no, on the defensive side of the ball, there's two guys that really stand out in my mind, and they're both linebackers for different reasons, I think getting Daryl Taylor back and increasing some of the pass rush that we can see make Trevor Lawrence feel uncomfortable. Um, I think getting that spark back that he provides, I mean, it's just obvious when he's on the field that he's operating in a higher gear than everybody else on the field. So if we can get some of that back, even in, you know, somewhat of a limited capacity as he's working back from injuries would be really nice to see. But I really see this as, a game where Bobby Wagner needs to really, you know, have a solid game, particularly knowing that James Robinson and the Jaguars run game is going to be a major part of their game plan coming into the game. And so I think Bobby needs to have his best game in terms of marking Robinson one-on-one running the ball, coming out of the backfield, catching passes. I want to see Bobby have a 10 plus tackle game. I think he will. And I think that's yeah. a great call out. Um, yeah, I, I just look for, uh, we won't see it. So I don't know why I'm saying it, but I'm looking for <laughs> the different uh, usage of Jamal Adams, right? And how do we get him in the backfield more? He had so many sacks, was our leading sack rusher last season. Last season, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. How do we, how do we get him more involved? Right. And how do we use him as a defensive weapon rather than a true safety? Because I think we've established that he's not a true safety, right? No. So let's, let's, good. let's like any, he made two company, pass deflections. He made two pass deflections on Monday all year. I forgot to he's mention, so earlier, good. by the way, Jordan Brooks did really make a really nice play in the end zone that stopped a touchdown, but yeah. And he had a good tackle on a right. short he run well. dude. Yeah, yeah, he trucked. So, dude. you know, wasn't his worst game, to be fair. But back to Jamal Adams. Can we use him for his strengths? We're in the contract. We can bitch and moan and all these things. Jamal Adams sucks, yada, yada, yada. But we have it, right? Nobody's going to trade for him. Yeah. So, so we need to use him for his strengths. So how do we do that? Let's use these smart coaches, right, supposedly, that work for us. Ken Norton, legendary player, figure it out. Pete Carroll, figure it out. This is your defense. And how to use him effectively to rattle a rookie quarterback. Do it. Like, plain and simple. So figure out how to get him in Trevor Lawrence's head, bailing in and out of, you know, showing blitz and dropping back in coverage and blitzing the quarterback. So I'm going to watch for that as well. Yeah, I, I love that. And it's not necessarily just putting him in to rush the passer, but to your point, like get in Trevor Lawrence's head show blitz, bail out, show blitz, and come after him. Make Trevor Lawrence in that 
Jaguars offensive line not know what he's going to do on any given play because we all know from what we've seen so far this year, lining him up like a traditional safety and coverage is awful. I mean, he is not a good coverage safety at all. Can't catch. Doesn't he? I don't think he oh, can even huh. see the yeah, ball. Yeah, he definitely can't catch. We've established that. He tries to catch it with his face. Mm. How'd that work? Turns out the helmet's very bouncy. Yeah, super yeah. bouncy. Not, yeah, didn't work. Didn't work very well. Anyone else you want to call out? That's everyone on my end, unless you have someone else. Nope. Keys to the game. Uh, Numero uno, and Sam harped on this earlier, Jacksonville has a pretty good rushing attack. And the Seahawks, if they've done anything on defense this year, it's been, they've been able to stop the run for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um, So they do that. I think that'll go a long way towards winning this game. Because uh, although Trevor Lawrence, I think, is going to be a very good quarterback in the NFL, he's not that yet. And if you put the game on his shoulders, likely he's probably going to make some mistakes. There might be some interceptions. You might be able to sack him, especially if Daryl Taylor's back. Um, so you got to stop the run to make sure that you put pressure on Trevor Lawrence to try to win this game on his shoulders. Um, I think that's that's key number one. Key number two, Justin. Key number two, get DK Metcalf the ball. Like like I said earlier, he cannot have more women than he has targets and receptions. It's <laughs> ridiculous. So he needs targets. We need 10-plus targets to DK Metcalf, seriously. And Geno Smith needs to throw the ball. And it's not all on him. It's the play calling. So we need to make sure we scheme DK Metcalf to get the ball in whatever way necessary. And Tyler Lockett as well. He should not be touching the ball. Let's get him out of wide receiver bubble screen, a little slant over the middle, you know, a rushing, you know, jet sweep, something to give a fast player a ball. So let's get the wide receivers a ball in space to make plays. Yeah, I agree. And then I think third key to the game is turnovers and penalties. I mean, this is what's hurt us recently, particularly the penalties, timely penalties. We talked about the Marquise Blair one off the top. There've been more than just that. Al Woods had the the offsides, which Al Woods yep. I do like, but you know that gave them a first down, and really the Saints could have ran more clock there. I'm surprised. I know. Had, I but... mean, that penalty yep. cost us two minutes, and it right. could have been even more. So, I mean, that's just like rookie stuff that's going on with some of the timely penalties towards the end of the game. We got to clean that up. Can't be having that, and then win the turnover margin. And I think you know. Maybe one of the other players to throw a bone to on the Hawks, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, is Quandre Diggs, I think, has played really well. I've liked what I've seen from him. He's been a ball hawk for us last year and this year. He's had multiple interceptions. But even just a few times I've seen him come up from his safety, deep safety position and make an aggressive tackle on the ball carrier has been nice to see. So whether it's him or someone else in the secondary we got to get an interception this game and we got to win the turnover battle. Geno Smith's got to hold on to the ball. He's coughing it up too much, whether he's throwing picks or fumbling in the pocket. So I think turnovers and penalties have been a big reason why we've gone Owen two the last two weeks. And I think if we can clean that stuff up, we have a really good chance of winning going into the bye week and hopefully getting Russell Wilson back and the season's like still alive still has a heartbeat barely but it's still alive 
Honor, what's going to happen on Sunday? Jacksonville's coming to town. It's the Seahawks' fourth home game. Oh, the Seahawks are 0-3. 0-3 at home. What do you see? Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer coming into town. I just see a Seahawks team that's in complete dysfunction right now. Um, and while the Jaguars might have some dysfunction, they at least have some young talent on their team. And uh, I'm just not super confident going into this game. I think this is kind of a scary game. Um, it shouldn't be. It really shouldn't be. But I the Jaguars winning. 24 to 20. Wow. Um, wow. I'm I'm just I'm at that point right now, guys. I mean, please talk me off a ledge, but like this is not a good situation with both football teams right now. And I'm trying to find some shred of confidence, but I just I I feel like it's gonna be the same game plan going into this game with a bunch of running the ball not spreading it out to your receivers that actually can make the, make your plays on offense. I mean, Shane Waldron has been probably the most disappointing thing of this entire season as a play caller on offense. He just, he showed so much in that first week and then nothing. Like I mean, there's it's no almost creativity like to this offense. It's almost like he can't scheme without a Hall of Fame quarterback. <laughs> Even before that, dude. That's, I mean, yeah. It's either that or he's got Big Brother looking over his right, shoulder. I think there's some of that too. Sure, I'm sure that that's going on as well. But like this dude, this dude was a part of like Jared Goff looking like a decent NFL quarterback, above average NFL yeah. quarterback. And he looks like, I mean, he's making Geno Smith look like the hundredth best best quarterback in the NFL, and Russ bought like outside of the top ten. It's not good. Yeah, Sam, what's gonna happen? Is do you agree with Connor that Urban no. Meyer is gonna come in and win? No, I think what Urban Meyer is gonna do is come in and come in early this week and. Go out on the town Wednesday night. Go to Finn McCool's, Earl's. Hit, hit up, up Aussies, college, maybe. Yeah, hit up those college bars. Queen Anne. <laughs> get, get a little wasty face, and uh, he's gonna end up at Unicorn, which is like, oh, uh, how yeah. that's here? when you know you're in trouble. Is if you end up at Unicorn, that's where bad things happen. I don't Anyways, even know if that place is open still. I'm sure it is. That's a Capitol Hill staple. Blah. Yeah, but Capitol Hill got wrecked during the pandemic. Let's so see. I Hold on. I'll look it up. You continue, Sam. Yeah. Anyways, I, I don't think that the Jags are going to win this game. I think the Hawks are going to have a solid game plan. I think we'll be able to execute against the Jaguars. And I think that we'll end up winning a score that looks close, 27 to 24. But I think the game will be pretty solidly in the Hawks' control here. And I think the Jaguars will score a late field goal or touchdown, try an onside kick, will recover it, and then ice the game away. Um, I just – the Jags are – they're really not a good team. And I think the things that they're good at are lining up against the things that the Seahawks are good at. 
And at the end of the day on offense, I think our outside weapons with DK, Tyler, Gerald Everett, Will Disley are going to prove too much for the Jags defense to handle. I think there's going to be some DK Metcalf on Shaquille Griffin crimes going on. DK is going to get the best of that. So I think it'll be a fairly comfortable win, even though the score will show a, a tighter game than it actually felt. That's just the way that I see it going. But I mean, if we lose, oof. it's not oh going to be fun next week on this podcast. If we no. Lose, so let's not do that. Yeah. It How might be kind of fun because we're probably talking about maybe there's someone being fired or some trades happening. Would that really be fun, though? Is that fun? I don't know if that's fun. <laughs> Entertaining conversation, but it's a conversation I don't want to have. We're already having one of those well, on, it's, on the Husky podcast episodes. Yeah, it's one, it's good banter. Two, it means that change is happening. So you might be able to see like a path forward. Because the, the, the worst thing that can happen is the same. Right? Yeah, well, we've been getting a whole. The lot worst of that. thing that can happen is we do things that force Russell Wilson out of Seattle. That is the worst thing that can happen. I yeah. think that's. I think that's almost a foregone conclusion at this point. Well, that's where I'm maybe, at. Maybe but... if, if Pete leaves, then maybe not. And yeah. he's part yeah. of the next coaching hire, well, and in that Russell Wilson is, he gonna get is fi- the coach. He's, he's not going to get fired. Is the problem? He has to leave willingly on his own. I mean, he said after the game, he's lasted here. He wouldn't have lasted as long without. Russell okay, Wilson. we should he talk about that. this. We should talk you, about why this. Why don't you? Let me why get don't my you prediction. Do your here. score prediction, and then we can open up this conversation because I was yeah. going to bring it up anyways because we kind of alluded to it. I think Justin did earlier in terms of like his conversation or the conversation with Mina Kimes. Like, mm-hmm. start. You yep. know, all options are on the table, so we should we should preface that conversation. But first, let's get your your prediction on the table. Okay, Sam, I agree with a lot of the points that you made. I think that the Seahawks will attack the Jaguars on the air moderately and have some success, have some big plays, because this Jaguars defense is not good. They traded one of their young, bright stars. They're clearly rebuilding, trying to rebuild around Trevor Lawrence. That defense is not good. They're allowing over 28 points a game. They're scoring 19. Our defense isn't good either. So I'm seeing a 27-21 victory, similar to yours. And just like Unicorn Bar in Seattle, the Seahawks season is still alive. Still open for business, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I like wow. it. We're on the same wavelength here, Justin. That doesn't we happen are. very often. It happens more than we think. Yeah, that's true. We play it up a little bit. But anyways, going back to the other conversation we started, what are our thoughts around, you know, we talked about it. The season looks pretty doom and gloom. Like we'd really have to more or less run the table from here on out to make, to, you know, salvage a playoff type season here. Assume we don't do that. We don't make the playoffs. What's next is Russell still here. Do we trade him for, you know, draft capital for building for the future do you ditch Pete Carroll and keep like, I think we're going to come down. Like it just seems inevitable that the Seahawks organization is going to end up one day at a crossroads, a fork in the road and have to decide to go with Pete Carroll or Russell Wilson, because it seems like the obvious thing is if we keep Pete Carroll, I think we're going to continue to get more of the same Russell Wilson 
two years left on his contract, I believe. And it's, he's fed up with, with the status quo. And like, if we keep Pete Carroll, Russell's either going to get traded, demanded trade, whatever, or he's going to walk in free agency, which would be worst case scenario. And so it seems like we're going to reach that fork in the road by with choosing Pete Carroll for, you know, maybe the next five to 10 years that he has left in coaching or Russell Wilson for the next five to 10 years, he has left as a quarterback. And I guess when you get to that fork in the road, which path do you want the organization to take? I think there are two options, honestly. So option one is the obvious one. Russell Wilson stays and Pete Carroll resigns or we fire him somehow, which I think that's unlikely, but he resigns and we move on and we find an offensive head coach, which Russell Wilson I'm sure would like. That's option one. Option two is we get rid of both of them. And we start with from the ground up a whole rebuilding process, draft picks, the whole thing, young quarterbacks build it up that way. Because I don't think that with the Pete Carroll system, you can really win effective, meaningful games in the NFL anymore. And he has shown himself to be very stubborn. And so, you know, we're not getting off that Jamal Adams contract. Bobby Wagner is getting older. And so if we're not having Russell Wilson, then there's, I I don't think there's any point to try and salvage the team. I think it's a total rebuild. Let's rebuild with a new coach and establish a new system and try to come back that way. You see Brandon Staley with the chargers and they have a young quarterback and Justin Herbert, you have Lamar Jackson. I mean, the Ravens are a great franchise, so that's a bad example. You have Joe Burrow and the Bengals who have Zach Taylor as a coach. They have a great defensive coordinator that, it's playing fantastic schemes. I could talk all about what they did to the Ravens and how they're adapting. Right. And so I think we need one of those if we're not keeping Russell Wilson. So you don't think that there's an option that Pete Carroll stays and Russell walks. I don't think that's a good option. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. I would agree with that. What about you, Connor? You're Jody Allen. What are you doing? That's for sure. The worst option. The problem is I just don't know if Jody Allen has it in her to do what is necessary, which is to fire Pete Carroll. Um, The huge issue with this is that, like, even if we do shitty this year, we don't have a first-round pick next year. That first-round pick is Jamal Adams. And your best asset to be able to acquire draft picks is Russ, obviously. So... Building on Justin's point, do you completely rebuild with the draft picks? And you could do that also with trading Russ and also acquiring like a young quarterback, such as if he goes to the Bears, you could acquire a Justin Fields. If he goes to the Jets, you could uh, acquire a Zach Wilson. Let's let's eliminate that option. Let's not do that one. I know that would just mail it off. in. Yeah. Um, Let's see. I guess the Giants would be on the table too. Uh, I don't want Daniel Jones, but like that would also be an option. I'm just saying, like that 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 I think. No, if you're trading Russ, you have to also have a quarterback on the horizon. Dolphins and Tua. I think Deshaun Watson's going to the Dolphins. I think that's all smoke and mirrors. I don't think anybody's trading for Deshaun Watson until his 22 sexual assault allegations get cleared up yeah and i don't think that's, oh, that's not happening anytime soon. soon yeah yeah 
we'll see what we'll see what happens there. But anyway, I mean, maybe I don't know. We'll see. I, I it has to obviously go like trade like Russ has a no trade clause. That's that's the other big thing in this too, right? So he gets to pick yeah. and choose where he wants to go if he's getting traded. Um, obviously, he's going to be more motivated to go if things continue the way that they are. But if you're also getting rid of Pete, Russ might look at that. Oh, like I would, I would stay then and see how this goes. See you guys hire, especially if he's a part of the hiring process, right. which he should be. Um, I'm really torn between those two options, though. I'm really torn. I, I think, I think keep. I mean, I think keeping Russ would be the best thing if you're wanting to be a play like a perennial playoff team if you're wanting to get back to the super bowl like if that's your aspiration you probably have to start from ground zero again i don't or know con- that I... or or convince him to take a pay cut yeah there's I that exactly. i mean there the salary cap's gonna go up eventually too and so sure to but like i mean deal but yeah, he. I mean, yeah, your the salary cap goes up, and then in two but years, I don't, I don't know that I agree that you so. won't ever compete. I think it's the next couple of years that you're definitely not going to compete for a Super Bowl, and then after that, and after you're off to Jamal Adams guaranteed money, and you have Bobby Wagner, then I think you still have. Does Russ potential. have that much patience, though? I don't know. I mean, I think he does if he picks a coach and he's part of a system that he believes in. Yeah, I guess the yeah. other question too is like how many. Because like know, is elite the, are, years do you have left out of Russ? Right, because like you know one of his Five, you know six. agents preferred trade destinations. Not yeah. saying I wanted requesting a trade. Blah blah blah. Was the Bears? The Bears aren't that good. I mean, I would do that trade in a heartbeat for Justin Fields. For yeah. Justin Fields, yeah, and draft picks. You need draft. Picks. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. you can't just get Justin Fields. Like I would want Justin Fields and and, like and three first plus round picks. first round. Yeah, yeah. If you could work that and then get and get a new coach that would be ideal because then i think you're Actually, really I mean, starting over St- stafford stafford was two first round picks and jared goff right mm-hmm. yeah jamal adams was so two for first sure. round picks oh. so for sure it's got to be it's got to be three first round picks and at least justin fields yeah yeah and and justin fields is on a rookie contract that's the yep. big kicker nice. yeah which is nice but i guess at the end of the day like that fork in the road is inevitable and it's mm-hmm. going to happen. Yeah. And it's becoming more and more evident as we continue to lose games this season that this off season changes are going to happen. And it's going to be yeah. Pete Carroll or Russell Wilson at this yep. off season. Yep. Well, and I mean, this is the, that if we're going back to that, those comments that Pete made in his post game press conference, that's as reserved as I have ever heard him. Yeah, I've never heard the him quarterback talk like position. That. Like that, that screams to me that he's actually contemplating retiring or leaving. Um, and I don't know if this is going to be a mutual parting of ways. I don't know how they're going to word it if or, or if he's just going to retire. Like, no doubt, no matter what, Pete Carroll is going to be a legacy in this in this town because he brought us the first Super Bowl to Seattle and you can shit on Pete Carroll all you want now. Like maybe he's, maybe he's out of touch with today's game, but he built a hell of a defense 
in 2012, 13, and 14. Even starting yeah. back in 2011, really. And he got his running back. Yeah, he did. Marshawn Lynch, the guy that he wanted to go to USC. <laughs> yeah, and he's yeah. Pro- you know Pete Carroll's probably a Hall of Fame coach at this point. Probably, probably. Um, yeah, I mean, I, one yeah. of the best ten-year runs you can have. The the yeah, the fact that Mike Holmgren isn't in the Hall of Fame right now kind of still infuriates me. But yeah, that's um, ridiculous. But yeah, and, and Pete's arguably had maybe even a better career than Mike Holmgren, and. Uh, like he said in his comments, a lot of that is due to Russell Wilson. Yeah. Um, and Russ has made a huge difference in that. However, those first four years, Russ was a big part of that, but also that defense was really the part, like that was the biggest piece of that. And he built that. Right. Yeah. So like, I don't know. I, I just, this is I, a good question. How did he build that? Through the draft. Yeah. And his knowledge of the college game at the time from being close to it and knowing players that were good and not good. And the more he stays, the more he loses touch and you get shot pennies. I get that. I just, I don't like the, the, the people that say, or the fans that say that Russ has carried Pete for the last decade. Cause that's not true. Yeah. That's completely not not true. That that's not true at all. I mean, it's similar to like Russ has carried him for the last five years. I agree with that, but, it's like Tom Brady at the Patriots, right? Like he was not the Tom Brady in those initial three Super Bowls, right? Right. It was after right. that. Yeah, that was 2006, Belichick. 2007, obviously. And that's when he took off, right? And was elite. Yeah. It's kind of a For thing. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Not saying Russell Wilson except, is Tom Brady, but except concept, Tom Brady has yeah. seven rings. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> saying the same thing, but it's the concept, right? Where he took off sure. and became a better player. Yeah. Sure. I, I'm just saying, I, I don't want people making a villain out of pete carroll i guess like is all that i'm saying like he he's, he's talking he's talking to you team. justin he's talking directly. i mean he's you can't be on the same software eyes. man i mean 2015 it's, it's technology evolves the game of football has evolved okay There's new rules sure it's time to move on i completely agree with that but don't talk shit about the dude that brought you a super bowl that's all like, and I'm not just talking to you, Justin. I'm talking to like, like I've seen oh, this on Twitter everywhere. Like, right oh, into okay. your eyeballs. I'm oh, not, I'm not, honestly. It. I've seen way worse closer. stuff on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen way worse stuff on Twitter that it's just like, they're, they're like, just like making Pete Carroll to be the villain. And I agree that Pete Carroll probably needs to be fired now. But I'm not making a villain. Like, like he, like this dude, like, brought Seahawks football to new heights and the expectations that we have for this team now and why this season is so disappointing to us now is directly because of Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson, but like Pete Carroll built that. Yeah. Okay. And it's just the same. It's just, you know how the saying goes, like all good things have to come to an end. Yep. And more often than not, it's an ugly parting of ways and so again we're going to hit that fork in the road what's going to happen is going to happen and you know as a Seahawks fan you hope that the decisions that ultimately lay on the desk of Jody Allen those decisions are made in the direction that put the Seahawks back in Super Bowl contention sooner, sooner rather than later and I think we can all sit here and speculate 
you know, what that decision, the best decision is, but time will only tell. And I think as we've seen this season kind of unfold, that decision is going to be made sooner rather than later. Yeah. And it's a, it's a tough one. Like it's, none of this is going to be taken lightly just because of the things that I just said about Pete Carroll and how much he means to this organization. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's pretty clearly time to move on and he's, uh, he's definitely lost his touch and he's a little bit out of his element. And I think if, if we're, if we're talking about like Russell Wilson carrying Pete Carroll, like the last like three or four years have been kind of a facade that, Russell Wilson is like, I mean, made the best just... out of a bad situation. Like all I'm saying is like this, like this has been the case for the last three or four years. Really? I mean, yeah. With Pete. For sure. At least four, for sure. I mean, and that's what good quarterbacks do. They cover up a lot of issues, right? If Aaron Rodgers, sure. pluck Aaron Rodgers off the Packers. I mean, yeah, they, right? it's, it's, it's pretty not, bad. It's not a, <laughs> you know, it's not a new concept. So no, totally. not at all. All right. I think we uh, I think we sucked all the this. juice out of that yeah. one. Yeah, we might we might revisit it next week if we lose, like Connor thinks we will. Right. Hey, if we lose, I mean, it, like that's when midseason shit should happen. And going into the bye week, right? Perfect time. Yep. Just don't call Jimmy Lake for advice. <laughs> no adjustments during the bye week. Status quo. If, if Jimmy Lake is fired, would you want Pete Carroll to be the coach of UW? Oh wow. hell yeah, dude! Yeah. Oh. Oh, come on. Are you serious? No. Oh, I would take no. that in a heartbeat. That guy would recruit his face off. I think you it would be good for like four years. Yeah. I'll, shit. I'll take four good years. I don't know. Uh, mm, he would recruit know. California well, I feel like. Yeah, talk about a big moment. Like, hell yeah. He's been I'd out be of down. California for <laughs> people 12 know who years. He is. Listen, heroes get remembered, but legends never die. Ooh, okay. Pete Carroll is a legend in California. You know that. Pete Carroll in your parents' living room trying to convince you to come to UW. You fucking listen. You go to UW. You could be the next I Reggie Bush. I don't think he takes that job. I don't think he I don't know. Job. We're no, talking no, ridiculous. No, of ridiculous. course he doesn't pie take in it. the sky. But hypothetically, as a husky fan, like hell yeah, I would take Pete Carroll. Yes, in a heartbeat, I would. Connor's very skeptical. I don't know how you could be, man. He's one you know of the best just like how- he's one of the best college you- football coaches of all time. Sure. But like, are you gonna see the same things that you're seeing the Seahawks struggle with? on offense, especially at UW. And it's the same things that UW's struggling with now. Like, is Pete Carroll going to become too stubborn and have his hands on the playbook too much that you're going to struggle on offense? Like, we need to get out of this era. <laughs> like, we need new new minds, new blood, is all I'm saying. He'd like, I think he would recruit Sam well. Heward. I guarantee you he'd be starting Sam Heward. He he does he does he does like his like his young guns for sure. And he, let he me tell you, for goddamn sure, Jackson Sermon and Asa Turner wouldn't be sniffing the turf. No, the defense be would be better. Team. Yeah, the defense would be better. Um, he'd be he'd be pulling scallies. 
Yeah. Justin, way to go. Open up that can of worms. We got to wrap this up. Yeah. All right. Fine. Uh, any other closing thoughts? I'm gonna. I'll wrap it. No, no. no. We got to end it while we're here. Otherwise, we're gonna get off okay. on another tangent. Okay. Well, that was Justin's fault on that last one. So yeah, I, I take the blame. I blame the longboards. <laughs> yeah, you didn't get the third though. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, folks. As always, we appreciate the support. Subscribe and follow if you haven't already, and leave us a message via the anchor link in our description. Until next time. Go Hawks!